details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit. And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. suppose that we can do another two hours today oh man after yesterday's show i was <laughs> i was exhausted man it was, it was quite the lengthy broadcast there's no doubt about that wow all right it is gonna be a very interesting day we've got a late jump on the podcast today because uh well i've been sitting here watching these election results they are coming in from Massachusetts where they're having the special election to fill the late Ted Kennedy's old Senate seat. Been following a lot of stories there all day. There's there is a lot of stuff that's surrounding that. It is it's just now starting to get interesting. I mean it was already interesting, but it's really heating up now. This is outrageous. That's not the only thing going on, but it does have a lot of ramifications for the, well, really, for the country in the short term and the long term. It really says a lot of things about what's going on on a lot of levels. Regardless of what happens here tonight. All right. Also... We have to get into this. We have um, Tiger Woods news. Tiger, that we we've had a Tiger Woods sighting, and I didn't get to this story about Mark McGuire last night. Let me just touch on this real quick. Mark McGuire apparently over the weekend made an appearance um, in the uh, St. Louis area. And there was a bunch of people out there. You know, he just he got hired as the hitting coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, what I don't understand about that, number one, that's just a weird choice anyway. The guy was not a good hitter. He could hit home runs, but batting average... I'm going to look this up. I hadn't even planned this. 
but I got to look up his stats. Normally, I'd have this committed to memory, but if I'm not mistaken, he was a career, I want to say like a 250 hitter for his career. I, I might even be lower than that. I know he had like 587 or 589 home runs. Let's see here. All right, Mark McGuire for his career. All right, a career batting average. As I go over here. Career batting average. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, 263. Looks like. Yeah. 263 career batting average. And I was right. 500, oh, 583 home runs. 1,414 RBIs. All right, a guy that hit 263 in his career is going to be the hitting coach. I mean, he had one season where he hit 312. He had another season where he hit 305. But for the most part, uh, not exactly what you would like to call not a not a batting champ. He certainly was not Tony Gwynn. So he's going to be the new hitting coach. But what was more interesting about this story was he made an appearance uh, and a bunch of St. Louis Cardinal fans showed up and... And I've said this before, and I have to make sure that I reiterate the point. I really think that St. Louis Cardinal fans, for the most part, are pretty knowledgeable fans. They're pretty intelligent, classy fans of the game. Maybe not as passionate as some of your East Coast fans, perhaps not as passionate. And I don't even mean obnoxious. You know, I don't even mean as ostentatious as your average uh, Red Sox or Yankees or Mets or Phillies fan. But they are, they're still good baseball fans for the most part. But I don't know. I'm, I'm having second thoughts now after I saw over the weekend that they showed up and they were cheering this guy. They were out there openly cheering Mark McGuire. They were going, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you came out. You finally admitted that you cheated after you lied to the American people for the last eight years. Congratulations. You finally came out and did the right thing. You finally said, oh, by the way, I cheated. Worst kept secret in the universe. We all know that you cheated. What's next? Is Sammy Sosa going to come out and admit that he cheated as well? Yeah, we know that you cheated. We get it. We we understand. We know that you're not a you're 70 home runs in 1998. We know that that was a fraud. We get it. The problem is that now that you've come out and admitted it, now there's there's an issue. Why did you come out and admit it now? Oh yeah, you you weeped and you cried and you pretended to be all upset and oh, I talked to the Maris family and I apologize for what I had done. <laughs> it's all about a book deal. It's all about he and he wants to get into the Hall of Fame. You know that that's another thing. I didn't do this for the Hall of Fame, sure. Okay, Mark. You know he wants to get into that Hall of Fame too. Of course he does. 
All right, so that was what happened. Over and and I was just, I, the, the weird part about that story, though, the, the fans, and I guess I wasn't really that surprised. It's just like Yankee fans. They didn't boo Alex Rodriguez. They didn't even boo, they didn't even boo Giambi. They don't boo anybody. If you come back and you hit a home run, even if you admit that you cheated, I don't care if um, you admitted to, uh, I, I don't know, uh, secretly rooting for the Red Sox in the World Series. Yankee fans will pretty much forgive anything as long as you come back and you and you do well. If you hit 300, if you go three for five in a game, uh, drive in four RBIs and have a couple of home runs, they'll forgive anything. And I guess St. Louis Cardinal fans are kind of that way too. Ah, so what? You cheated. So what? That you got our hopes of. So what? That the entire revival of Major League Baseball in the late 90s was a complete sham. And there were people, albeit very few and very far between, there were people back in 1998 that questioned the authenticity of it all. And I want to tell you, I want to take credit because I was merely a college student back then, but I'm going to I'm going to stand here and I'm going to tell you I was you know, sounding the trumpet. I was here sounding the trumpet telling you, well, I wasn't on this particular show, but I was uh writing <laughs> I was yelling very loudly in college, in a college campus near you, if you were at ASU anyway, that it uh, don't believe everything you see here. And I wasn't the only one. There were people on the radio that were saying this as well. And Sammy Sosa is another guy too. It was all, it was great. I mean, it was a nice story and it was good journalism and it was a nice competition. And yes, it did bring people back to baseball. And believe me, I love baseball. Baseball is my passion. It is my it is my summer love. I love baseball more than just about any. There is, I will, this is how sick I am. I will sit here and I will watch a Tampa Bay Rays, Kansas City Royals game on a Thursday afternoon for no other reason than just to watch the game. I don't even have to have money on it to watch it. Mind you, that helps. But I don't even have to have money on it to sit here and enjoy the game. Uh, moving on. I know we talked about sports, um, for quite a while yesterday. I know that that pisses off some people when we get into sports, when we do sports talk, it, it just peeves people. It, it did when we, we were doing the regular show and it still does even, now. I don't know why you have to waste so much time on sports. It's so frivolous. You're doing this podcast. I don't know. I don't like sports. I don't know why you have to talk sports and <laughs> I used to hear it all the time. I'm still hearing it. So, all right, we're done with it for now. So let's break down uh, the Vikings-Saints game for this. No, we're not going to do that yet. We'll wait till the end of the week. Give you the picks. I think you know what direction I'm going in that game anyway. I think anybody that knows me knows the direction I'm going in both games. All right, it's a big night. It's a big night. That's why we held off on this podcast until late. We are sitting here. I'm right now. I am staring at uh, election results as they are coming in from the state of Massachusetts. The special election, Martha Coakley versus Scott Brown. And right now, an unbelievable upset is taking place. Scott Brown looks like preliminary numbers are indicating Scott Brown is going to take this thing. He is going to defeat Martha Coakley. Let's see the. The numbers I had as of a few minutes ago, he had about a hundred thousand vote lead, and I'm going to take a look right now and see if that trend is continued. By the way, I do apologize for 
sniffling and uh, and and you know doing that into the microphone because it is uh, it is somewhat unprofessional. But unfortunately, um, my allergies are kicking my ass right now. It's all this global warming that's been going on lately. Um, right now, by the way, here in the Phoenix area, as I'm doing this show, 56 degrees. We have a uh, a moderate to occasionally heavy rain pouring down, and I'm not complaining. I love this weather. This is this is awesome. I love the rain. I love cloudy days. Nice rainy nights like we're having right now. I love it. So don't uh, misconstrue this as a complaint. But it is driving my allergies crazy. As of this moment, which at the time we're doing this, is it's about 7.30 Mountain Standard Time, 9.30 Eastern Time, PM, as we're doing this podcast. And... Um, the numbers are Scott Brown, 885,839 votes to Martha Coakley, 793,000. So she has closed the gap a little bit. I guess they're coming up with some uh, with some more dead people in Massachusetts to uh, close the gap, maybe some more illegal aliens. That's uh, one of the allegations that's been going on. But here's the more interesting part. Most of the allegations of voter fraud or most of the things that have been going on are, um, well, no surprise... They're coming from Martha Coakley's side. This this is unbelievable. Um, already, already, Martha Coakley has hired the same attorney that Al Franken used to challenge the election results in the state of Minnesota. Already she's done that. She did that earlier today. That came out. Not only that, but she sent out a press release alleging voter fraud. And here's the best part of this press release. The date on this press release alleging voter fraud is January 18th, 2010. There's a problem. That's yesterday's date. She was accusing, she was uh, making allegations of voter fraud before the election even took place. These people are so calculated. Anytime they have the slightest inkling that they're going to lose. This is how the Democrats have been playing this game now for the last six years. If they lose an election, they cannot lose an election fair and square anymore. It, to them, if they lose, they are in such disbelief. They cannot believe that a progressive could possibly lose a race. They cannot believe that the American people would dare reject their ideas. So if they lose, it has to be because of fraud. It has to be because of tampering, voter disenfranchisement. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody did something to the election, to the uh, to the machines, the voting machines. Um, racism, whatever. They they'll throw any dart at any wall possible and hope that anything sticks. If they have enough poop to shovel at it, they will do so until something hammers to the wall. And stays there at least long enough for the people to notice. Oh, we're we have we lost. I can't. It's got to be voter fraud. She saw this is what happened. I mean, the truth here is she saw what the writing on the wall, the writing on the wall. The last several days with the polls were unbelievably trending toward this guy that nobody had ever heard of, Scott Brown. And here, this Martha Coakley in a primarily Democrat state in a Democrat heavy state where they have not had a Democratic senator since 1972. She noticed that the polls were trending toward the Republican and she was sitting there going, what? what? Huh? What? I don't get how. How is this possible? 
And of course, immediately their strategy was, well, you know, there's Martha, there's a really good chance you could lose. But don't worry, we've already got a strategy cooked up for you. If you lose, we've got a memo. We've already, we've written it up. It's right here. We're going to allege voter fraud. It, it is hard to imagine in a state where Democrats outnumber Republicans three to one that Martha Coakley could possibly lose. But it's not just Republicans that are voting for Scott Brown. It's Democrats also. And this speaks to a much larger picture. This, this isn't just about the state of Massachusetts anymore. This is a, this is a reform. This is a statement on Barack Obama, on the Democratic-controlled Congress, on health care. It is a statement by the American people and the people of Massachusetts that says, all right, look, you had a year. Well, the Congress, the Democratic-controlled Congress has been in power for over three years now. You've had three years. What have you done? In the three years, we've, you've been in control of the, of the budget. And we've just been running deficit after deficit after deficit. We, we thought you were going to come in here and clean up the mess that the Republicans had. Uh, you haven't done it. In fact, you've made it worse. Then you, you had this guy Obama come in and then you wanted it. You, you were going to get us health care. And then you sold out to the insurance companies and you sold out to the pharmaceutical companies. Just, uh, just like the Republicans would. Nice job. So you did the same thing that the Republicans would do. How is this hope and change? So what the people of Massachusetts are ostensibly saying is, we'll take an unknown guy, we will take an unknown Republican guy over the establishment Democrat of this state. We will take the unknown, we'll go for the question mark, we'll go with what's in the mystery box over you. That's what the people of Massachusetts are saying right now. And by and large, I have to agree with them. Now, my uh, entire assessment of how we should handle this come November is throw everybody out. Basically, there are a couple of exceptions. I, I do want to make this clear. I don't want to totally broad brush it. But for the most part, let's just throw them out. And I think the American people are kind of leaning in that direction as well. You can see it in the congressional approval ratings. They are at an all-time low. You can see it in Barack Obama's approval ratings, which continue to slip precipitously. And I've got news on that. Speaking of, I might as well bring it up now. Speaking of Barack Obama's approval numbers. So, it's been, as of tomorrow, it'll be one year that Barack Obama has been in office. In that first year in office... We've seen unemployment go up by 2.5%. We've seen all sorts of negative indicators. But what I want to point out here is that his job approval rating for the first year, if you average, if you take the 12-month average of Barack Obama's first year in office, you take his job approval rating over the 12 months, average it out, it comes to 57%. Now, 57%, that sounds kind of high. But of the last 10 presidents, the 57% 12-month average is the second lowest of the last 10 presidents. The only president that was lower 
Bill Clinton. So Barack Obama's approval rating in his first year in office, a unbelievable 57% the rolling average. Right now, by the way, it's at 46% and dropping. The American people are, are angry. And it again, you could sit here and you could try and say, well, it's, it's just these teabaggers, it's these birthers, it's the right wing, it's the conservatives, it's the Republicans. No. No, it's not just the conservatives. It's not just the Republicans. It's not just these so-called the, the teabaggers. It's not just those people. It's Democrats, too. Democrats are upset, maybe for different reasons, but they're still upset. There's still an angry voter base out there. And the Democrats are doing nothing but polarizing the voters even further. And Barack Obama has been a polarizing force. He has sent more troops to Afghanistan, something that he promised not to do. Now, personally, I'm all for Afghanistan. Go ahead. But I do think it's duplicitous to tell the American people in your campaign speech that you're going to get us out of Iraq and Afghanistan, you're going to clean it up, and then you get into office and uh, you, you can't. Now, I understand why you can't, because as I said on my show, I said once Barack Obama gets elected, once he gets into the uh, Oval Office, he's going to get some intelligence briefings and somebody is going to come up to him and say, uh, yeah, Mr. President, we can't just, uh, we can't just pull out of Iraq and Afghanistan, then he's going to ask why not, and then they're going to have to give him the complicated answer, uh, which doesn't jive with his idealist, nice, progressive little attitude that he had while he was running for office. See, it's nice to have ideals, but see, once you step into the real world, once it becomes adult time and you actually have to face what is going on out there in the big bad world, then that's when things become a little bit more sketchy. That's when you step into the gray area. But the American people are still going to hold uh, Barack Obama accountable to these promises. That's the problem. When you ride in on this white horse and when you make people these grandiose promises and then you're unable to deliver them for whatever reason, whether it's your fault or not, the American people are going to try and they're going to be holding you accountable. They're going to hold your feet to the fire and say, well, why not, Mr. President? Why is it that you came in on this platform of hope and change and here it is a year later and not only do I not have my job, but everybody I know doesn't have a job or people are afraid of losing their jobs and they're not seeing their 401k, their 401k plans grow. They're not seeing uh, their, their, uh, their incomes grow. They're not seeing their homes increase in value. They're not seeing all these great, grandiose things that you promised. They're not seeing health care. They're not seeing an end to the war in Afghanistan and in Iraq. They're not seeing all these marvelous things. They're still seeing the same old crap they're seeing you sell out to uh, the pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies. They're seeing you sell out to China and not stand up to them like we thought you were going to do. So the Democrats are also holding this guy's feet to the fire, perhaps for different reasons. So it's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. So that's a major. Oh, well, let me see. Uh, let me. I'm going to look over at these numbers once again because it looks like we have an update. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand three hundred sixteen votes for Scott Brown. 889,775 for Martha Coakley. 
That's big now. Now we are over 100,000 difference uh, again. Oh, Martha Coakley's got the spin doctors out, though. The spin doctors are out. So she's already, uh, uh, let's see, she's already alleging voter fraud. If anything, the voter fraud that's been going on has been going on on the Democrat side. Well, it's the attitude of Democrats. Look at Ed Schultz, for example. That crazy dude. Where, where does he broadcast from? Like Minot, North Dakota, or Williston, or Pizik, or Dickens? Somewhere in North Dakota. Some, some ir- irrelevant North Dakota. I think that's the city he broadcasts from. See, I can say that because I was, I'm from North Dakota. I lived in Grand Forks for four and a half years, and then I was smart and left. I mean, it's nothing against North Dakota. It's just that uh, who wants to shovel 12 feet of snow in the winter and, and live where it's minus 972 degrees, and then in the summer, uh, you can't go to sleep because it's sunny until 11 o'clock at night. I mean, how <laughs> it's, it's kind of... Um, it's kind of tough. It's kind of a tough place to live. Actually, I, I do like it there. It's just, it is boring. It's horrendously boring. You don't really have a whole lot to do there. What are you going to do? Uh, stare, milk the cows, uh, grow some corn, some uh, potatoes in the Red River Valley. But this poor Ed Schultz, man, he came out and he said, oh, I, I'd cheat. I'd cheat. That's what I would do. I, I'd vote 10 times if they let me. Now, he says he he claims on his show that he said that he just wanted to get people fired up. But I just thought it was funny that Ed Schultz was the guy that said that he would cheat if he could. When he was the same person that was alleging voter fraud back in 2004. When George W. Bush beat John Kerry. So Martha Coakley, her spin doctors are out in full force, though. There we go. Anyway, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. I... It is. It's... It's a It's a new day for America. Massachusetts going Republican. I can't even fathom this. But it just tells you tells you what the people think. All right, quick break. And then we'll come back and we'll have some more. I don't even know what we're going to talk about beyond this. We could just leave. Just make it a one-segment podcast. It's a rainy night. I did two hours yesterday. Would anybody blame me if I just left right now? I don't think so. This isn't like a, a traditional show. I've already done 28 minutes. This isn't a traditional radio show where I'm, I'm not necessarily committed to do any specific length of time. I try to do around an hour every day, but I'm not bound to that, am I? There's no contract. Whatever, we'll be back.
Segment number two, it's Michael Groff in exile for a Tuesday, January 19th, 2010. Let's see the latest here. Scott Brown, about 120,000 vote lead over Martha Coakley in the Massachusetts race for Ted Kennedy's old Senate seat. And that's good news. God, there must be just a... The freakout that must be happening over at Air America right now. Ed Schultz, Mike Malloy, Tom Hartman... Randy Rhodes, they must be, they, they must just be losing their minds over there. They just can't even believe it, I bet. I don't know, we had, we had control. I can just hear it now. We had control of this. We had a super majority. We could make it so Republicans couldn't even debate us anymore. Now we're losing it. The American people are, they're seeing that we're a bunch of frauds. Oh, God. Oh, God. Wait. I know. I've got a great strategy. Voter fraud. Disenfranchisement. It was snowing. The global warming made it so that people couldn't get to the polls. Uh, uh, we got to just throw some crap up there. Uh, Ed, uh, Blackwater. Cheney. No bid contracts. Ilian Gonzalez. Steroids. Watergate. What does S and Harry S. Truman stand for? It's got to be something. Come on, guys. Don't look now. We have more bad news from the Caribbean. There's been another earthquake, a magnitude 5.2 reported by the U.S. Geological Survey um, in the Grand Cayman Islands, the British-owned territory, the Grand Cayman Islands. It was located on the southern uh, island, Grand Cayman Island. Let's see here. It doesn't appear that there are any injuries. No reports of damage immediately uh, have come in here. Um, but, man, it's not a good time to be in the Caribbean. They've had more aftershocks on the island of Haiti as well. And Port-au-Prince, well, they're confirming around 80,000 dead. They believe as many as 200,000 or more could possibly be dead. 
there's looting going on. There's uh, people that are becoming desperate now. You have people that are just drifting over into the Dominican Republic, just trying to get away from anything. You have other people that have set up tents outside of where their homes used to stand. Other people um, are are just the violence, the absolute humanity, the just the insanity, the utter chaos that has erupted across Haiti, particularly in the Port-au-Prince area, as a result of what's going on. And the supplies are still not getting in there. But wait! I thought Obama was in control of this. I, I thought that we were going to have a response that was going to be great, unlike Hurricane Katrina. And uh, no, there's just way too many blockades that are, that are here. Uh, getting to the airport is tough. Uh, getting, uh, we have the army that is deploying from the presidential palace, but uh, a lot of our uh, military that have gone in there to help out, they are doing so unarmed so that they're not see, being seen as occupiers. But that has not stopped... Hugo Chavez and other countries from calling us occupiers, saying that we're trying to take over Haiti because that's what the U.S. wants to do. We really want to take over the island of Haiti. We want to take over Hispaniola. We really do. Because it's such a rich, vibrant place for the U.S. to want to take over. See, I could, I could deal with the accusations of wanting to take over the Middle East because there's actually natural resources worth having there. There's actually some strategic vantage point militarily as well as uh, the natural resources that happen to be there. But Haiti, what do they have? Sand, they've got trees, and they got a lot of dead people now. They got a lot of destroyed buildings. That's really something that the United States wants to take over. Then again, we do have New Orleans, so I guess we will take just about anything, won't we? All right, uh, there's, so that's uh, another earthquake. We've got uh, the Haiti situation. The United States has pledged $100 million. Other countries kicking in. People have been uh, donating uh, to charity as well um, to try and help out in that situation. Got this craze, the movie Avatar. Now, I saw the movie Avatar when it came out about a month ago. And the, here's the interesting thing. Avatar, it was the first 45 minutes of the movie were just, you know, crap. But thereafter, a, a fine movie. But some of the things that have gone on surrounding this Avatar, um, number one, you have people that are trying, that are committing suicide after watching it. And they're doing so because they, they see this as such a, ma a magnificent world, the planet of Pandora. They see it as such a, a magnificent world that they uh, have to, they, they see that planet Earth is just not that at all. And they hope to escape Earth and get to a place like that. They think heaven is like that or whatever they think. So they're committing suicide, either out of depression or out of hopes that they'll get to Pandora or something similar by killing themselves. Let me just tell you, uh, a lot of stupid people go to see movies. It's amazing how powerful movies are to some people. I mean, I go and watch a movie and I realize while I'm watching it, it's a movie. I never get so into the movie that I go, that I forget where I am and that I get so attached to a character that if they die, I, a little bit of me dies with that character. You know, because that's how I am. That's how I believe. No, it doesn't work that way. All right. Anyway, so... Uh, there's a lot of other fallout from the movie Avatar. You had somebody else that saw it and they, um, they 
They went into shock and died from it. They had hypertension and they died as a result. Boy, James Cameron is really getting his money out of it. James Cameron, a douche, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Denying people uh, autographs and... Let's see, somebody else asked about the Golden Globes, if I watched the Golden Globes the other day. And um, my, my response, I might as well just give that response on the air. Uh, my response to that is, no, I'm heterosexual. Thank you. Who watches these award shows? I, I didn't watch a second. I heard a little bit about it, um, but I don't watch award shows. Uh, number one, I'm not in the movie industry. Number two, I'm not a female or homosexual. Therefore, I don't find award shows very... Um, I don't find them at all appealing. Well, you know my feeling on award shows. It's nothing but self-congratulatory, sort of uh, self-aggrandizing, ego-stroking where uh, members of Hollywood give each other awards and accolades. It's a big it's a big look at me, give each other props and kudos fest where they all get excuses to dress up and have nice little uh, little statues and they can congratulate each other. Sorry, I just don't buy into it. Like, I don't care who had best picture. The same thing about the Oscars, the same thing about the Emmys, the same thing about the whatever, any of these award shows. I'm, I'm not into them. I'm sorry. I just, the Grammys, and I love the music biz and everything, but I, I just, I don't really care about award shows. I don't care about the People's Choice Award. I don't care about, uh, what other award shows were there? The Tonys. I don't care about any of that stuff. Award shows are worthless. And, and if you're a woman or if you're a homosexual male or if you're in the movie biz, then I can see why you watch. Because it's gossipy, it's chickish, it's... Uh, or if you're in the movie biz, then yeah, I can see why you're interested. But other than that, uh, a heterosexual male or uh, a normal female or somebody that actually has uh, time on... Uh, that, that, you know, um, has a life is probably not going to be interested in the award shows. And uh, hopefully the ratings bear that out. Though I didn't look at those. Let's see. I don't even want to talk about the Jay Leno, um, Conan O'Brien fiasco anymore. I think we're done talking about that. I think that's been covered pretty much to death. It looks like this is going to be Conan's last week. I feel bad for Conan slightly. Uh, I, I think that he really got hosed on this deal. I don't feel terrible for the guy. He's uh, he's worth um, he's worth more money than probably the entire square mile that I live on. Um, but uh, needless to say, though, I think he did get screwed in this deal from NBC. Then again, NBC is, well, they screw up everybody. Now they have a guy out there. Um, they have this um, Dick Ebersol who's out there. He's sort of the hatchet man. He's going after Conan O'Brien saying that he sucks now and that he's, he underperformed. He, he works for NBC, of course, Dick Ebersol. And he is out there now to try and sort of uh, make this spin look positive for Jay Leno and look negative for Conan O'Brien. So he's saying that Conan O'Brien sucked and he underperformed, that he just didn't get the ratings. And of course, he does that whole thing where, you know, they, they sort of, if I may be so crude, if they jerk you off with the right hand and plunge the knife in your back with the left hand. That's what they do because he's like, well, uh, Conan, he's a nice, you know, he's a really nice guy. And I think he's a very talented guy, but let's face it. He just didn't get the job done. His ratings sucked. He sucked. 
It reminds me of some of the people I used to work with in this business, actually. I can think there's one guy in particular whose name I won't mention, but it reminds me of one guy in particular that I used to work with. He'd stroke me on one side and then stab the knife in my back and talk about how much I sucked in the other and write it all over the internet that I sucked. So if you're wondering, one of the reasons I'm doing podcasts and not uh, doing shows all over the internet, it's, it's because I had to deal with people like that on a regular basis. That got pretty frustrating. All right, we have uh, some more election results here. Scott Brown, 1,106,823 votes. Martha Coakley, uh, 997,244. She's down by, well, if my math is right, about a hundred and, about 109,000, 108,600 votes. So over 100,000 votes. She's still trailing Scott Brown. And more and more um, precincts are, are reporting. In spite of the fact that earlier today, the Boston Globe declared Martha Coakley the winner. You know, this is the thing. This just goes to show you, they want, they want that to happen so bad. They want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So they were willing to declare her the winner uh, at, at like 10 o'clock in the morning. They were declaring her the winner, the Boston Globe. Not a surprise. Not a surprise that one of the leading liberal rags of the Northeast Corridor would declare uh, a Democrat the winner, even though all signs have been pointing to the Republican, all signs have been pointing to Scott Brown to win, and yet there's the Boston Globe proudly proclaiming that Martha Coakley was the winner at about 10 o'clock this morning, give or take. Nice job. Way to be objective. And I can't figure out why the newspaper industry is going down the tubes. I, I, I can't figure it out with such positive, with such great objective reporting like that. It's, it's unfathomable how they're losing business. God, how aren't, how is it that they don't have 5 million people subscribing to that crap every single day, plunking down their hard earned money for that? Such a Objective journalistic integrity. You just can't find something like that anymore. Ugh. Okay. That's enough of that. All right. I got other stuff I wanted to get into. I don't know. This might be one of those days where I just, I call it a night early, I think. I think that's, that's where I'm going with this. I'm kind of already in the mood to leave. We've, we've really gone out and, and kind of analyzed this, this Martha Coakley situation as if, if Scott Brown wins, which it looks like he's going to, the Democrats lose their supermajority in the Senate. He will be put into, he could, according to Massachusetts state law, he could become the Senator in as little as 15 days following the certification of the election by the secretary of state. So, 15 days from tomorrow, he, at the earliest, he could be taking the Senate seat. It's hard to say. I, I'm not sure. I, I think it'll take a little bit longer. There's going to be some legal challenges. You know that Martha Coakley is not going to take this lying down. She is going to fight this thing to the death. She's already hired that uh, lawyer that represented Al Franken in the state of Minnesota against uh, Norm Coleman. So you know... You know that there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some sour grapes. 
It's they're going to sound like Chargers fans after the Jets beat them down. Oh, they're going there's going to be sour grapes all over the place. And there will be legal challenges. Just you wait. So this thing is far from over. But if you want to get into a battle, a pissing contest of voter fraud and legal challenges, you don't want to do that. If you're Democrats in the state of Massachusetts, you do not want to get into a pissing contest over voter fraud, especially just after the, some of the video that I saw today where you had people handing out blank absentee ballots to people that just whoever was coming by and telling them to write in Martha Coakley. There's video of this. There's video of Martha Coakley signs being put on polling places, clearly violating federal election law that says that uh, signs have to be at least 75 feet away from uh, the polling, the designated polling locations on election day. Well, anyway, there's all kinds of shenanigans going on. So if, if they got into a, that, that kind of a pissing contest, that's one that they would lose. Wow. All right, we'll keep you updated. We will talk about this more tomorrow. We have other uh, things that we should probably get to at some point tomorrow as well. There's bound to be more news on Haiti. There's bound to be more news on uh, the Democrats. There's bound to be more news on, on what's to come of all this. Some local politics that maybe I'll get to. And... Um, Another stimulus bill. Oh God! Do we, no, really? We're gonna we're gonna try and ram through another stimulus bill because you know the last one went so well, and tomorrow's the grand anniversary one year in office for Barack Obama, and uh, boy, hasn't that worked out great? Now I heard. Earlier today, and I don't know which, uh, I don't know who did this, but there was some organization or somebody that uh, gave their first year grade to Barack Obama. You know what grade they gave him? Just, just, just take a guess. Yeah, that's right. They gave him an A minus. Now, as I recall from my days in school, a C was considered average. A B, if you got a B, that's considered above average. B marks the standard for above average, above average performance, right? And then an A is excellent. That's a superior performance. With D being below average and F being an unsatisfactory performance. Okay, so. How can you look at the first year of Barack Obama and call that excellent? Unemployment's higher. More people are out of work. The economy is worse. Inflation is higher. There's been more uh, foreclosures. There's been nothing done about the situation with the Iranians and their nuclear weapons program. In fact, that they've just gotten closer and closer to having a nuclear bomb. We have more troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. Which I'm not complaining about that part, but... You know, if you're evaluating a guy based on his promises and based on what he's done, his accomplishments... 
Really? With all that going on, you're still going to give him an A minus. God, imagine if he had actually done something. What would you give him? A plus 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 plus. Would you have actually just gone over there and uh, and gotten a batch on your chin from how much you loved on him? I wish I had those kind of easy courses, easy grades while I was going through school. The guy's a complete disaster, and he gets he gets an A minus. Wonder why he got an A minus, not an A plus. All right, we're back tomorrow. Yes, a two segment show tonight. That's just how I roll. Back tomorrow, another edition of Michael Groff in Exile. Mike at KMGX.com, my email and PayPal address. Uh, MichaelGroff.com for all of our other contact information or Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Have a great night, everybody.